welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast <coughs> for ladies <laughs> who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams of pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie. What happened? Did you like inhale know. a bug or something? In the something? middle of talking. <laughs> just what? What happened? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, hi Lauren it's it's allergy season Joel (laughs) hey Joel well that's a great beginning to our first themed month (laughs) yes yes it took us this long to realize wow it would be easy to come up with a topic for a whole month yeah especially one that's alliterative yes so um uh, I think you were the one who suggested it first so um trademark Julia uh this is uh the beginning the first installment of mythology may mythology may Ooh, that's good we should put like we should put some some juice on that okay. you know what i mean like a little bit of an echo on it or something right, yeah, we'll do it at the same time ready okay, ready one two three mythology, mythology may that's great i love that and we're gonna isolate that and we're gonna put it in uh every episode so far as, as it goes so um get ready get ready for that everybody you're welcome all right so we each took two mythologies um and uh i'm getting the first round Mm -hmm. thank you um so this week my topic is called by the hammer of thor norse mythology Okay. Very appropriate since the Avengers movie just came out. I know. And that wasn't even on purpose. And it was so crazy when that guy did that thing. Oh, my God. And then everyone died. Ugh. So sad. But it was great when that other one saved everybody. Yes. Question mark. We're not watching this movie. Yeah, we don't know. Um, so that was not a spoiler. So <laughs> no, do not tweet me because that was not a spoiler. Um, okay. So um, before the Norse, a.k.a. the Vikings converted to Christianity during the Middle Ages. Uh, They had their own vibrant native pagan religion that was as harshly beautiful as the Nordic landscape to which it was intimately connected. Ah, so poetic. Well, see, I didn't write it. So um, (laughs) this is what you should know. (laughs) I got the majority of my information from a website called norse-mythology.org or Norse Mythology for Smart People. Um, by and it's by this man who is self-taught. His name is Daniel or Dan McCoy. Um, he is an independent scholar and he wrote a very great website all about Norse mythology. So sweet. Um, he is the poet by which I am just his voice. You know what I mean? I'm the, You're the vessel. Yes, I'm the vessel today. So thank you, Dan, for your beautiful and um, well outlined website. So. <clears throat> The centerpiece of that religion was what we today call Norse mythology, um, the set of religious stories that gave meaning to the Vikings' lives. These myths revolved around gods and goddesses with fascinating and highly complex characters, as are most mythologies. Uh, The Norse religion that contained these myths never had a true name. Uh, Those who practiced it just called it tradition. Um, However, people who continued to follow the old ways after the arrival of Christianity were sometimes called heathens which originally meant simply people who lived on the heaths. Wow. Yeah, I know. It blew my mind too, right? Um, so, Or elsewhere in the countryside, but mostly people who lived on the heaths. And the name has stuck. So about the Vikings, before we get into the gods and goddesses. Mm-hmm. 
So the Vikings were seafaring raiders, conquerors, explorers, settlers, and traders from modern-day Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Iceland, who ventured throughout much of the world during the Viking Age, which was roughly about 793 to 1066 CE. Um, They traveled as far east as Baghdad and as far west as North America, which they discovered some 500 years before Christopher Columbus. Also, um, there was a lot of... uh, a lot of like global, mm, a lot of like cultural like bleed over sure. with the Vikings and Muslim mm-hmm. cultures because the Vikings loved Islamic culture. Like there's a lot of it still like bleeding into oh, wow. all of their ancient cultures and things. So it's really cool. Um, so also this is a funny thing. Uh, one 13th century chronicle attributed a slaughter of Danes or Vikings by Anglo-Saxons in 1002 to the former's irresistibility to the latter's spouses. <laughs> Quote, the Danes made themselves too acceptable to English women by their elegant manners and their care of their person. They combed their hair daily, according to the custom of their country, and took a bath every Saturday and even changed their clothes frequently and improved the beauty of their bodies, which many such trifles, by which means they undermine the chastity of wives. <laughs> every... Every Saturday, every Saturday they, they took a bath, whether they needed it or uh, not. So, because they were clean and they smelled nice, the, the ladies women. were like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I want to make this is much. Oh my god, this is much, much better. better. Wow, they look and smell great, unlike our husbands." <laughs> and the husbands were like, "Absolutely not. We're killing all of them, <laughs> and we will not bathe regularly until easily the 19th century." Anyway, so. The Vikings spoke the Old Norse language, wrote in runes, so the rune stones. Mm-hmm. They're like these uh, very triangular-shaped um, writing style. Um, and they practice their ancestral religion, which is the Norse mythology. So we have the Vikings to thank for our president understanding of not only their own pre-Christian religion and mythology, but of that of other Germanic peoples as well. So the Germanic peoples are the indigenous people of Europe. It's just like a general term. Um, and so thanks to the old Norse poems, treatises, and sagas that were written during or relatively soon after the Viking Age, we have a much, much fuller picture of what the Vikings' religion was like, despite the many unfortunate holes that nevertheless remain in that picture. Mm-hmm. And I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so we have we know more about that religion than we do about many of the other pre-Christian Germanic peoples' okay. religions. So from the little that we do know about these religions directly, they seem to have been variations on common themes that were also shared by the Norse. So we can use the Norse sources to help us reconstruct these ancient religions as well. So the majority of these old Norse texts were created in Iceland, where the oral tradition stemming from the pre-Christian inhabitants of the island were collected and recorded in manuscripts. Uh, This occurred primarily in the 13th century. So these texts include the Prose Edda, composed in the 13th century by Snorri Sturluson. Wait, (laughs) who's the author of that? His name is Snorri Sturluson. That's a great name. Yeah, Snorri Sturluson. That was his legitimate name. And it wasn't even a nickname, like, oh, Snorri Sturluson. over here. That's his real ass name. And the Poetic Edda, a collection of poems from earlier traditional material anonymously compiled in the 13th century. So the prose edda features layers of humorization, um, which is a process in which deities and supernatural beings are presented as having been either actual magic-wielding human beings who have been deified in time or beings demonized by way of Christian mythology. So that's a humorization. Okay. Um, texts such as the Heimskringla, uh, composed in the 13th century by Snorri, and Yesta uh, Danorum, composed in Latin by Saxo Grammaticus in Denmark in the 12th century, are the results of heavy amounts of a humorization. 
So objects from the archaeological record may also be interpreted as depictions of subjects from Norse mythology, such as amulets of the god Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. I never knew how to say that. Mjolnir. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, All of these Norse, uh, like um, Norwegian and Swedish words are sound like, sound like someone is trying to hide something. (laughs) My Mjolnir. Um, so amulets of the image of Mjolnir, uh, found among pagan burials and small silver female figures interpreted as Valkyries or Desir. So Desir are like female, um, spirits, like, okay. um, like dead spirits, like, um, ghosts, basically ghosts, <laughs> ghosts, you know, dead spirits. It took you a while to get there. <laughs> I, know. I know. I've been, it's been a long, long week. week. Um, so these are be- beings associated with war, fate, or ancestor cults. So. To begin with, the cosmology of the worlds which all beings inhabit, nine in total, centers on a cosmological tree known as Yggdrasil. Okay. Okay. The tree. <clears throat> the tree, Yggdrasil. Uh, the gods inhabit the heavenly realm of Asgard, whereas humanity inhabits Midgard, a region in the center of the cosmos. Okay. Outside of the gods, humanity, and the Jotnar, these nine worlds are are inhabited by beings such as elves and dwarves. So what is the Jotnar? I don't know. Well, all I'm going to tell you. So the Jotnar, they're a type of entity contrasted with gods and other figures such as dwarves and elves. Um, The entities are themselves ambiguously defined, and they are variously referred to by several other terms, including Rizi, Thurs, and Troll, although the term giant is sometimes used to gloss the word Jotun and its apparent synonyms in some translations and academic texts. Jotnar are not necessarily notably large and may be described as exceedingly beautiful or as alarmingly grotesque. So the Jotnar are known as giants or the devourers. Okay. So they're kind of like, they're like the, the bad guys. They're like the evil beings. Um, so we're just going to call them from here on out, either Jotnar or devourers from here on out or giants. Any one of those words. Keep it, keep track of it guys. So, um, travel between the worlds is frequently recounted in the myths where the gods and other beings may interact directly with humanity. So they come down, they say, hey, how's it going? A lot like Greek mythology. Okay. You'll see a lot of like one-to-one in Greek and Roman mythology as well. Mm-hmm. Not to not to spoil your future episodes. Um, so Yggdrasil, the tree. Um, Can you spell cr- that? Uh, Y-G-G-D-R-A-S-I-L, Yggdrasil. So, numerous creatures live on Yggdrasil, such as the insulting messenger squirrel Ratusk- Ratatusk. <laughs> I got it. I got Try it again. I got it. <laughs> Ratatusker. Ratatusker. And the perching hawk Velfanir. Um, the tree itself has three major roots, and at the base of one of these roots lives a trio of Norns. So, Norns are female beings who create and control fate, kind of like the, um, the, the three fates. Wi- yeah, the fates, like the three witches. Um, so elements of the cosmos are personified, such as the sun, soul, a goddess, the moon, mani, a god, and earth, yor, a goddess, as well as units of time, such as day, dagr, a god, and night, not, who is a jotun or a jotnar. So jotnar is a devourer. A jotnar devourer. Night yes. Is night is the, the devourer. devourer. Okay. Yes. Which makes sense if you think about it. Um, so one of the fundamental concepts that underlies the indigenous Germanic worldview is the distinction between the Innengard and the Utengard. Okay. So the Innengard means within the enclosure and refers to that which is orderly, law-abiding, and civilized. Okay. 
So an Utengard means beyond the enclosure and refers to that which is chaotic and anarchic. So Asgard, literally the enclosure of the Aesir gods, is the divine model of the Inagard. So all of the gods are in the Inagard. So they're like the good. Um, and Midgard, the world of human civilization, is patterned on Asgard and allied with it. So they're also in the Inagard. And the world of the devourers is Jotunheim and the world of the Jotnar, which is also called Utgard. So they're on the outside. The Bifrost, the rainbow bridge that separates the Midgard from the Asgard, is watched over 24-7 by the god Heimdalla. And he's the one played by Idris Elba in the Thor movies. So Bifrost is like the bridge um, where the gods and humans sometimes can like cross over and Mm -hmm. like say, how's it going? Um, But Heimdalla keeps all of the uh, bad guys, the giants and the Jotnar, out. He's like, no, no, no. Rainbow Bridge is ours. So like in the good place, this is like uh, the doorman who who controls the door to Absolutely. get to Earth. Absolutely. Um, so you could say, yes, okay, we'll get into that. So uh, Valkyries are the female helper spirits of Odin um, who bear the chosen dead heroes to Valhalla. Um, and they are noble and elegant and can be sinister in that they choose who goes to Valhalla and sometimes who lives and dies. Mm-hmm. So Valhalla is like the palace that Odin, the chief god, lives in. And it's like heaven, basically. Okay. Um, so the afterlife is a complex matter in Norse mythology. So the dead may go to the murky realm of hell, H-E-L, not two ah. L's, um, a realm ruled over by a female being of the same name. Her name is Hell, also. Mm-hmm. Um, they also may be ferried away by Valkyries to Odin's martial hall, Valhalla, as mentioned before. Or they may be chosen by the goddess Freya to dwell in her field, Folkvanger. So Folkvanger is kind of like... <laughs> Are you laughing at my incredible pronunciations? It's... What a word. Folkvanger. So Folkvanger is, <laughs> is a field. It's kind of like... Um, remember when I did... Uh, Mm, the divine comedy talking mm-hmm. about hell so like the the field in which the people who were good but weren't christians got to go where there it was like perfectly fine it was okay. like a nice place so folkvanger is basically like the nice field oh, okay yeah um also the goddess ran may claim those who die at sea so there you go well it all depends yeah where you are depends on where you are and what you're doing uh texts also make reference to reincarnation and time itself is presented between cyclic and linear and some scholars have argued that cyclic time was the original format for the mythology which is like what the what Mm. i won't get into that i promise so before we get into like the individual gods let's talk about ragnarok please so ragnarok is the cataclysmic destruction of the cosmos and everything in it even the gods so when great Yeah. So when Norse mythology is considered as a chronological set of tales, so beginning, middle, and end, the story of Ragnarok naturally comes at the end. And essentially the story is that one day the roots of Yggdrasil will shake and shiver and the Jotnar devours and the gods will go to a final war to end all wars and the gods will lose and the world will end and everything will be destroyed as though creation never happened. And that's it. That's the end. So it's apocalypse. It's apocalypse, but nothing good comes from it. It's just like, this is inevitable. Oof. Everything is going to be destroyed. The devourers will devour everything in the end. What a fatalist point of view. Yeah. So that was, and that was specifically the pagan point of view. So okay. the earliest texts reflect like Ragnarok is going to happen. There's nothing we can do about it. Everything is gone. Mm, might as well do what we can. Um, after there was a later Christian influence, suddenly there was like these new stories where there was 
but actually like a lush green world like came up after it. And then there's like an Adam and Eve figure that okay. survive and all of this stuff. So after the later Christian influence, there's a little bit more of like a positive, like <laughs> rebirth kind of storyline that's made. So um, the Aesir, so the Aesir are a tribe of gods. They're one of the two main tribes of deities ver- venerated by the pre-Christian Norse. So most of the best known Norse gods and goddesses belong to the Aesir. Including, How's that spelled? Uh, A-E-S-I-R. Okay. Uh, these include Odin, his wife, the powerful goddess Frigg, their sons, Thor, Loki, and Baldur, the watchful god Heimdalla. Uh, he was born of nine mothers. Um, the apple-bearing <laughs> goddess Yon and Bragi, her husband, and the ancient god Tura, uh, who lost a hand while binding the great wolf Fenrir, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, their home is Asgard, one of the nine worlds, which is located in the highest, sunniest branches of the world tree Yggdrasil. In the Norse sources, Odin, the Allfather, is their chief. So he's the Zeus, he is mm-hmm. the god, he's everything. Now, uh, the Vanir are one of the two principal tribes of the deities. Um, their home is called Vanaheim, and the distinctions between the two tribes seem to be very nominal, okay. if anything. At one point, there was the Aesir Vanir War. Um, where they fought each other, but then they came to a truce, and then at Ragnarok, they fight together against the giants. So, um, so Odin must share half of his share of the dead with the powerful Vanir goddess Freya, as mentioned before. Um, she is beautiful, sensual, wears a feathered cloak, and practices a type of shamanism called Seir. Um, Frigg also practices this. Um, she rides to battle to choose among the slain and bring her chosen to her afterlife field, Folkvanger, as mentioned before. Uh, Freya weeps for her missing husband, Ur, and seeks after him in faraway lands. Freya's brother, the god Freyr, is also frequently mentioned in surviving texts. Uh, their father is the powerful god Nyr, and he is with the skiing and hunting goddess Skir. <laughs> their relationship is ill-fated, as uh, Skir cannot stand to be away from her beloved mountains, nor uh, Nyr from the seashore. More on them later. Um, some deities such as Skir uh, are themselves described as Jotnar. Um, and various well-attested deities such as Odin are descendants of the Jotnar. So that's the thing. Like the gods, most of them are either like half Jotnar uh, giant or like descended from Jotnar. Okay. So, which is interesting. So those uh, family reunions are very awkward. Can be very messy. Extremely messy. Um, Norse myth traces the origin of the Jotnar to the proto-being Ymir, a result of growth of asexual reproduction from the entity's body. Ymir is later killed, his body dismembered to create the world, and the Jotnar survived this event by way of sailing through a flood of Ymir's blood. All right. Typical run-of-the-mill yeah, stuff. That's one of the more metal creationist stories that I've heard. Yeah. And you know what? If you think about it, this is why perfect sense. the Scandinavians do metal so well. They've been steeped in it for eons. You know what I mean? Yeah, they were created by f- sailing on the blood of the of a proto god. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, so let's get to the main characters. So Odin. Odin is one of the most complex and enigmatic characters in Norse mythology. <laughs> Norse mythology is hard to say. Keeping it going. Norse mythology, and perhaps in all the, of world literature. He's the ruler of the Aesir tribe of deities, yet he often ventures far from their kingdom. Um, He goes on long, solitary wanderings throughout the cosmos on purely self-interested quests. 
Um, He's a relentless seeker after and giver of wisdom, but he has little regard for communal values such as justice, fairness, or respect for law and convention. Um, He's the divine patron of rulers and also of outlaws, also death. Um, He's a war god, but also a poetry god, and he's worshipped by those in search of prestige, honor, and nobility, yet he's often cursed for being a fickle trickster. Mm. He has one eye because he sacrificed it for knowledge, and one story tells how he hanged himself on the tree of Yggdrasil in order to bring the runestones to Midgard. So in order to bring writing to humanity, he hung himself on Yggdrasil, but he came back to life because he's a god. Okay. Um, I would call his... Yeah, I mean, sure. Then that's like a nominal act. Then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, then, then it's just like, ow, it's like, you know, pricking yourself. Um, I would call like his character alignment lawful neutral. Okay. Okay. Um, his alternate name, Wodan, W-O-D-A-N, is where we get Wednesday from, the word Wednesday. Right. So Frigg. And I confuse Frigg and Freya, so I'm excited to learn more. Uh, you're going to, and you know what? You're right to do that. Here's why. So Frigg, Odin's wife, is the highest ranking of the Aesir goddesses. She's the mother of Baldur. Um, she is depicted as a vulva, not a vulva, a volva, which is a Viking, which is a Viking what? age practitioner of the form of Gnos magic known as Sird. How's it spelled? V-O with an umlaut, L-V-A. Oh, isn't there like a water you get at the airport with that name? Called vulva? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you went to the guy, no, Joel? Because that's, that's, I don't think there's any water called vulva. Oh my God, you're right. It is. It's called vulvic. Vulvic. All right. I apologize. That's on me. Um, so sir involves discerning the course of fate and working within its structure to bring about change, often by symbolically weaving new events into being. This power could potentially be put to any use imaginable, and examples that cover virtually the entire range of the human condition can be found in Old Norse literature. Um, she's a lot like Arachne. Um, there are some theories that say that Frigg and Freya are the same goddess. Okay. Yes. Either way, the origin of both their names, which is Freya, um, is the root word for Friday. Okay. So Frigg in the traditional stories is married to Odin. To, but also... You'll but, find out soon. But also sometimes it's not spelled like Frigg. Um, also, Freya is married to Odin. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But she's also like the wife of Thor? Mm, I don't think so. Who's Freyr? Freyr is the boy. He's a brother. Of who? Freya. And who is their parents? Um, Nord. Okay. I don't yeah, know sorry. I That's okay. Um, so Thor, he's the brawny thunder god, son of Odin. Um, he is the archetype of a loyal and honorable warrior, the ideal toward which the average human warrior aspired. Um, he's uh, the defender of the Aesir gods and their fortress Asgard from the encroachment of the giants devourers, who are usually the enemies of the gods. And he looks just like Chris Hemsworth. Oh, he looks just like Chris Hemsworth. Mm. <laughs> what were we talking about? Um, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, what was I saying? Okay, yes. Uh, sorry. Whew. Just a warmth came over me. Um, his courage and sense of uh, duty are unshakable, and his physical strength is virtually unmatched. He even owns an unnamed belt of strength that makes his power doubly formidable when he wears the belt. 
magical belt. He's got a magical belt. Um, His most famous possession, however, is his hammer, Mjolnir. (laughs) Which means lightning. Um, Only rarely does he go anywhere without it. Okay. Um, For the heathen Scandinavians, just as thunder was the embodiment of Thor, lightning was the embodiment of his hammer slaying giants as he rode across the sky in his goat-drawn chariot. Um, He is aligned lawful good. Also, Thursday is named after him, Thor's day. Uh, Loki, the trickster god and adopted brother of Thor, his real parents were both giants. Um, In the tales, Loki is portrayed as a scheming coward who cares only for shallow pleasures and self-preservation. He is by turns playful, malicious, and helpful, but he is always irreverent and nihilistic. He is the father of the underworld goddess Hel um, and is the mother of Odin's eight-legged horse Sleipnir, whom Loki gave birth to after shape-shifting into a mare and courting the stallion Svaldivari. Everyone got all that? Yeah. So Loki turned into a female horse, got pregnant by a stallion, gave birth to an eight-legged horse of his dad's, his adopted dad's, called Sleipnir. (laughs) He is chaotic neutral. Okay. Baldur. Um, He is the beloved son of Odin and Frigg. By the way, Odin has like a thousand children. Just so many friggin' children. like Genghis Khan. Yes, exactly like Genghis Khan. Um, So basically every god is either his kid or his lover or okay. sometimes both yeah. um so balder is the beloved son of odin and frigg he is loved by all the gods goddesses and beings of a more physical nature so handsome gracious and cheerful is he that he actually gives off light loki hates him so he gets him killed and then banished to hell forever and he is oh so lawful good he's so beautiful was he blind um uh yes he was blinded by a spear made of mistletoe that Loki um, tricked uh, one of the other gods into throwing at him, and then he died, and then they sent him to hell. And because he was so loved, his mom went around to all the gods and was like, here's the thing, I'm going to make a deal with hell, and I'm going to tell her that to let him go from the underworld if everybody cries for him. So everybody make sure you cry real hard when I tell you to. So Loki disguised himself as another god and was like, yeah, don't worry. I got you. I will cry. And everybody cried except for Loki disguised as this other god. And so Balder had to stay in hell because Loki was an asshole. He doesn't sound like chaotic neutral. He sounds like chaotic bad. Well, sometimes he helps. (laughs) Um, That's like a bad version of him. Uh, But sometimes he helps. Sometimes he doesn't. Depends on his whims. Ah, yes. Our favorite kind of people. Yes. People, the fickle people. The fickle who decide whether or not they want to help us depending on their mood. Uh, okay. So Freya, uh, she's a member of the Vanir tribe of deities becomes, but became an honorary member of the Aesir gods after the Aesir Vanir war. Um, her husband named Ur in late old Norse literature is certainly none other than Odin. And accordingly, Freya is ultimately identical with Odin's wife, Frigg. Mm, okay. Freya is famous for her fondness of love, fertility, beauty, and fine material possessions. And because of these predilections, she's considered to be something of the party girl of the Aesir. So she's the Aphrodite, basically, of the Aesir. Um, given her expertise in controlling and manipulating the desires, health, and prosperity of others, she is a being whose knowledge and power are almost without equal. Uh, Freya presides over the afterlife realm Folkvanger, and according to one old Norse poem, she chooses half of the warriors slain in battle to dwell there. So she and Odin kind of decide who goes where. Okay. 
Her brother Freyr was one of the most widely and passionately venerated divinities amongst the heathen Norse and other Germanic people. So he was like, people worshiped the hell out of him. So one old Norse poem calls him the foremost of the gods and hated by none. Uh, The reasons for this aren't hard to understand. Their well-being and prosperity dependent on his benevolence, which particularly manifested itself in sexual and ecological fertility, bountiful harvests, wealth, and peace. His role in providing health and abundance were often symbolized by his filgir, which is like a spirit animal, which was the boat gulenborsti, or golden bristled, and by his enormous erect phallus. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't expecting that? You weren't expecting that? that? I'm I so was sorry. like, all right, spirit animal. Got check. you. Because a big Boat, golden bristle boar. Check. Just big a old, big old, big old D. Yeah, big old D. No. You got big old D. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I should laugh. I that. almost said something else, but I didn't want this <laughs> to turn into like too blue. <laughs> we are never. <laughs> we are never blue. Okay, here we go. Serious mm, information. Um. He's Bacchus, right? Like, he's basically Bacchus. Uh, He is true neutral, for sure. Okay. So, Freya and Freyr's father, Njord, was particularly associated with wealth, fertility, the sea, and seafaring in the Vikings' religion. Um, A saying among the Norse peoples held especially wealthy people to be, quote, as rich as Njord. And... um, What a saying. Yeah. Norway is named after Njord. There you go. That's great. Uh, Tura, one of the war gods, along with Thor and Odin, um, he, his primary role seems to be that of an upholder of law and justice. Um, okay, so here's a little story. So the most compelling evidence for Tura's role as divine jurist and a heroic one at that come from the tale of the binding of Fenrir, uh, the only surviving myth to feature Tura permanently, prominently, not permanently. Um, the dreadful wolf Fenrir was only a pup, but he was growing quickly and the gods feared for their lives. So they endeavored to tie up Fenrir and fetters from which he couldn't escape. So when Fenrir laid eyes on the chain that would eventually bind him, he was suspicious and declared that he would only allow the gods to put it around him. If one of them would stick an arm in his mouth as a pledge of good faith. So only Tura was willing to do so. And when the wolf found himself unable to break free, he bit off Tura's arm. Um, this is where Tuesday comes from. I mean, Tura, not really the story. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know where Tuesday was from. Yeah, how about Tura. that? Yeah, uh, Fenrir is the name of the like the big bad um, werewolf guy in Harry Potter world. So that's that makes him. sense. He is a great wolf. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's also the son of Loki and the brother of Hell. So, so Fenrir the wolf is the brother of Hell, the ruler of Hell, and yes. also the eight-legged horse. Yes. Oh my God, I didn't even think of Sleipnir. But yeah, Sleipnir is also Sleipnir. his... Sleipnir. Sleipnir. Um, <laughs> don't take my Sleipnir. Don't take my Sleipnir. If you could see her face when she does her impression, it's my, very good. My it's very crone. Yes. I just, I hunch over and I use my fingers as crony fingers. Um, okay. <laughs> Who are we talking about? Friendrear. <laughs> He's the great wolf. Oh, at Ragnarok, he is foretold that he will break free and run throughout the world with his lower jaw against the ground and his upper jaw in the sky, devouring everything in its path. He will even kill the god Odin before finally being put to death by one of Odin's avenging sons. It's a pretty big wolf. He's a huge, he's very big. He's a great wolf. A um, couple of other animals. Hugin and Munin. 
Hoogan and Moonen. That uh, sounds like a piece of furniture you get yeah, at Ikea. I mean, if we ever started our own um, home goods company, it would be Hoogan and Moonen. <laughs> so Hoogan and Moonen are the ravens that follow Odin around and would be considered his um, fulia, their, like his, his filger, okay. filger. Yes, the spirit animals. Um, I mentioned this briefly in the Halloween episode. Mm. About Odin and Hugin and Moonin. Uh Ravens are carrion birds, i.e. death, um, but also extremely intelligent, which are perfect for the god of death and knowledge. So, makes sense. Another thing, berserkers, where we mm-hmm. get the word berserk. Um, they were a special group of elite Viking warriors who went into battle without traditional armor. These are This is real life, I think. Yeah. This is now getting into real life. Instead, they wore animal pelts, typically from bears or wolves. Uh, the word berserker derives from the Old Norse "serker," meaning coat or shirt, and "ber," the Norse word for bear. I thought you were going to say for cold. For cold. <laughs> for, for cold. Burr, the Norse word for cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, I hope we don't have any Scandinavians listening today. Um, they were said to have been part of an ancient cult of the bear and considered warrior shamans. So they were both like hyper religious, but also like really good at murdering people. Um, and finally, there is a Norse mythology-themed wooden roller coaster in an amusement park in Germany called Europa Park. Um, it's The park is actually the largest in Germany and has many sections themed around several different countries in Europe. That's uh, nice. The coaster itself is called the Woden Timber Coaster. The line in features several uh, heavily detailed elements, including fire, mist, and water effects. Um, the goddess of death, Hell, is also featured and has a turning sand timer. Um, projection mapping, smoke screens, and moving ceilings are also used in the indoor sections, which immerse guests in mythology. In the ride station, statues watch the train leave and turn to watch the train arrive, which is kind of creepy. Um, the ride also has several dives into tunnels and heavy interaction with surrounding areas. Ru- Europa Park is in uh, Rust Baden-Württemberg in Germany. Wow. Where they probably know the stories and oh, stuff. Like yeah. if... You know, we had a bunch of Americans that tried to go there and had no idea what was happening. What the hell is going on? Where's Chris Hemsworth? Where's Anthony Hopkins? (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't seem right. I need Idris Elba. Dad, I want him now. I mean, I say that every day, but. Wow. um, So. That's great. That's a good, really good refresher. Thank you. Um, A lot of weirdness. A lot of like, um, I mean. many thanks again to Dan McCoy. Uh, he does a lot of good, um, good information, lots of footnotes. He's written like a couple of books. Mm -hmm. So check out Norse-mythology.org. And it's really interesting to think about all of the, like you, and you just mentioned some of them, like the words from Norse mythology that are so pervasive in our current everyday modern day lives. And you just don't even think about it. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you say Mjolnir on a course of a single (laughs) week? You know, constantly. Humana, mamana. <laughs> is that the is that the birds? The birds. Oh, uh, human and moonin. Hugin, Hugin and moonin. <laughs> Did you get that? Hugin and moonin. So, um, my quiz today is semi-related. Um, my quiz is on um, Scandinavia. Question number one. Let's start with the word itself. The region of Scandinavia encompasses what three countries? Question number two. Known in English as the Lap or Laplanders, the indigenous people of the Scandinavian peninsula are called what? Here's a hint. They have no relation to the protagonist in Metroid. Question number three. 
Scandinavians are big fans of dried salted whitefish with lye. Not to be confused with gefilte fish, what is the name of this snack, which is also popular in some regions of Minnesota? Question number four. The Kingdom of Denmark also consists of two autonomous countries in the North Atlantic Ocean. One is Greenland, and the other is what, an archipelago located 200 miles off the coast of the UK. Question number five. The play A Doll's House was an influential piece of realism theater written by what Norwegian playwright, who also wrote Peer Gint and An Enemy of the People. He is the most frequently performed dramatist in the world after Shakespeare and is not a waiting bird with a long curved beak. Question number six. Sweden has had a long history of topping the pop charts, thanks to catchy and beautifully blonde bands such as ABBA, Ace of Bass, Robin, and this late 80s, early 90s band that wanted you to listen to your heart and has definitely got the look. Question number seven. This German composer was super into the Viking thing, thanks to what was known as the Viking Revival in the 18th and 19th centuries. His epic opera, Der Ring des Nibelungen, was based on the poetic Edda. Name him. Question number eight. The Scream is his most famous work, but Edvard Munch expressed his debilitating depression and mental illness in plenty of other artwork throughout his long and turbulent career. After his death, he bequeathed his artwork to the city he loved, the capital of his home country of Norway. Name it. Question number nine. They're not on the euro, and it's certainly not the ruble. The official currency of Scandinavia is called the what? And finally, question number ten. I'm going to name four actors, and you're going to tell me if they're proud Scandinavians or not. One, Max von Sydow. Two, Diane Kruger. Three, Anne Margaret. And four, Greta Garbo. I'll give you a minute to think about it, and we'll be right back with answers. You know a lot about Scandinavia, Joe? I think I know more than I thought I oh, did. Good. But you know what's going to get me is question 10. All right. It's Great. all right. You got some time to think about yep. it. Yep. All right. Question number one. Let's start with the word itself. The region of Scandinavia encompasses what three countries? That's Sweden, mm-hmm. Finland, and Norway. It is not. Wait. Scandinavia. Yes. Norway, Sweden, and Finland. Denmark, Norway, and Sweden. Fuck. Sorry. Iceland and Finland are considered the Nordic region. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, it's tough because Sweden, Finland, and Norway are all on that peninsula. Yeah. Yes, like the Scandinavian peninsula. But Scandinavia, yeah, I know, it's really dumb. Oh, whoa. Question number two. Known in English as the Lap or Laplanders, the indigenous people of the Scandinavian peninsula are called what? Here's a hint. They have no relation to the protagonist in Metroid. It's like Sammy? Yes, they are the Sammy. Uh, they are semi-nomadic traditionally and are known for their herding of reindeer. Actually, the Sami are the only people who can legally herd reindeer in Scandinavia. Hmm. Also, their flag is so cool. I'm going to show you a picture of it. It's really cool. It's like beautifully, um, it's very like modern art. It looks like um, uh, a Clint piece. It's very nice. Okay, I'll show you. cool. Question number three. Scandinavians are big fans of dried salted whitefish with lye. Not to be confused with gefilte fish. What is the name of this snack, which is also popular in some regions of Minnesota? Lutefisk. That is called lutefisk. Lutefisk is dried whitefish, normally cod, but ling and burbot are also used, which I'm assuming are fish. Um, they're treated with lye. So the first step is soaking the stockfish in cold water for five to six days with the water changed daily. The saturated stockfish is then soaked in an unchanged solution of cold water and lye for an additional two days. The fish swells during the soaking and its protein content decreases by more than 50%, producing a jelly-like consistency. When this treatment is finished, the fish, saturated with lye, is caustic with a pH of 11 to 12. To make the fish edible, a final treatment of yet another four to six days of soaking in cold water is needed. Eventually, the lutefisk is ready to be cooked. So that isn't even like the cook part. It seems very labor intensive. For, for more information on weird foods like that, yep. you can check out episode 11, Open Up Your Mystery Baskets. Yes, it's very good. Uh, question number four. The Kingdom of Denmark also consists of two autonomous countries in the North Atlantic Ocean. One is Greenland and the other is what? An archipelago located 200, mi- 200 miles off the coast of the UK. The Faroe Islands. That is the Faroe Islands. They in Greenland have been a part of the Danish realm since the 18th century. Question number five. The play A Doll's House was an influential piece of realism theater written by what Norwegian playwright who also wrote Peer Gint and An Enemy of the People? I think it's Peer Gint, actually. Anyway, he is the most frequently performed dramatist in the world after Shakespeare and is not a waiting bird with a long curved beak. Henrik Ibsen. Henrik Ibsen. Um, by the early 20th century, A Doll's House became the world's most performed play, which is crazy. Wow. Anyway, question number six. Sweden has had a long history of topping the pop charts thanks to a catchy and beautifully blonde band such as ABBA, Ace of Bass, Robin, and this late 80s, early 90s band that wanted you to listen to your heart and has definitely got the look. Hold on tight. You know she's a little bit dangerous. It's Roxette. Yes, it is Roxette. I don't recognize that song that you were singing. I only know. I think it's called Little Bit Dangerous. Is it? Ooh, okay. I'm going to have to listen to that. All right. Question number seven. This German composer was super into the Viking thing, thanks to what was known as the Viking revival in the 18th and 19th centuries. His epic opera, Dering des Nibelungen, was based on the poetic Edda. Name him. It's Wagner. It is Wagner. Did you know his name was Richard Wagner? So I had a science teacher. My, uh, biology? No. He was a science teacher. He taught, anyway, science teacher. His name was Richard Wagner. Mm -hmm. And he had a big, Floofy mustache and was a lovely man. And I don't think he was related to. You don't think he was the same guy? He's. I mean, well, now that he's in Wardle, got really tired, couldn't live in his own home country anymore, was too popular. And then moved moved to Gasport, New York to teach science. (laughs) Science to a bunch of of petulant 
Eighth graders. He was great. If you misbehaved, he would sit on you, which would not be. That's. I mean, in a in like a in like a you know settle down kind of way, just sit right on you. I never got sat on because I was a good kid. <laughs> anyway, but Steve, huh. Steve got sat on. Not my husband, my former classmate. Anyway, <laughs> question number eight. The Scream is his most famous work, but Edvard Munch expressed his debilitating depression and mental illness and plenty of other artwork throughout his long and turbulent career. After his death, he bequeathed his artwork to the city he loved, the capital of his home country of Norway. Name it. Oslo. It is Oslo. The museum holds a collection of approximately 1,100 paintings, 4,500 drawings, and 18,000 prints, the broadest collection of his works in the world. Uh, The Munch Museum serves as Munch's official estate. Question number nine. They're not on the euro, and it's certainly not the ruble. The official currency of Scandinavia is called the what? The krona. The krona or kroner, which is plural. Okay, finally, question number 10. I'm going to name four actors, and you're going to tell me if they're proud Scandinavians or not. Okay, you ready? Max von Sydow. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. So, no. He is. Okay. Okay. Uh, Diane Kruger. No. You're right. She is German. Okay. Yes. Uh, Anne Margaret. Yes. Yes. She is Scandinavian. And Greta Garbo. I forget where she's from. Uh, I thought she was German too. Could she be? I'm going to say no. Uh, nope. She is, in fact, Scandinavian. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was the How first installment that? of our Mythology May. Mythology May. Well, thank you, Lord. Oh, you're so welcome. Uh, we have a little bit of listener submitted trivia yes. from listener Jennifer V. Thank you, Jennifer. Listener um, submitted trivia. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I had to put that in. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Um, so after Lauren's frog episode, Jennifer um, wrote us a really nice email oh with God, a lot sorry. of fun, in, fun frog and amphibian facts. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just sprinkle a couple of them in here and we'll, we could save a couple for later yeah, too, absolutely. you know, yeah, for yeah, the yeah. time that we forget about frogs and we're like, no, we need, need to re-remember frogs. I need that frog hit, you know? So um, first um, she says that the term for frogs and other pollution sensitive organisms is called an indicator species mm-hmm. because changes in their numbers and or health can indicate the health of the environment. And that's scary to think yeah, about. Yeah, that is scary to think about. I guess about. we think like honeybees are, are one oh, that, yeah, we that's do, true. that we consider, but maybe not, you know, frogs necessarily, but because of their like permeable skin, semi-permeable skin, and then, um, you know, other, you know, humans encroaching on their territory yeah. and that kind of thing, um, you can see that the that the ecology of a place is going Changing, down. yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, um, one species of frog was the first pregnancy test for women. Oh my God, I think I have heard that. So um, she said that her favorite use of frogs in medicine is frogs as pregnancy tests and later development of pregnancy tests. So before, you know, the stick that you had to, that you pee on, sure. scientists used to expose a frog species to the urine of a female. And if the frog developed eggs, it meant the woman was pregnant. Oh my God. <laughs> Unfortunately, the frog used in the experiment was not like a U.S. local frog and was... Um, basically got a disease that wiped out many populations oh of frogs. Oh my God, so that's terrible. Didn't, didn't quite work, but uh, yeah, that was... <laughs> oh my gosh, could you At imagine? At one point in time. You're like, babe, I need you to go out and buy me a frog. <laughs> this is serious. This is serious. <laughs> I got to pee on a frog. <laughs> oh man. So, yes, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. That was so great. 
Um, if you would like to send us some listener submitted trivia, uh, just like Jennifer did. Thank you again, Jennifer. That was a great. Um, you can email us at misinfopod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at misinfopod on Twitter. Um, you can head on over to our Facebook page, misinformation colon a trivia podcast. Um, or you can just go see us at our website, triple dub dot misinfopod.com. Uh, you can listen to us on our website. Um, you can also find us pretty much any place that you get podcasts now. Um, please Rate, review, subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Yes. And thank you so much to everybody who um, has left us reviews and, oh, yeah. and shared stuff with their friends. It's, it's really nice to, you know, to see that. I just reviewed our own podcast the other day. It took you that long? Yeah. Well, because I didn't know like the interface on iTunes like doesn't <laughs> like on, on Apple Podcasts doesn't like tell you if you did or not. Uh-huh. Um, and I gave us three stars at first. Lord, I yes. <laughs> Because I accidentally like <laughs> swiped my finger across and I was like, no, 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 the algorithm. <laughs> so I redid it to give us five stars because I think we are five star material, Julia. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so please give us five stars. Don't be like me. Don't be like <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Could you imagine if I was like, we're okay. I'm not going to oversell this. <laughs> anyway. All right. Thank you so much for, for listening, guys. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.